Hey folks, before we get started, I wanted to give you a special message, and that is from our sponsor of today's episode, and that is the Libertarian Party. So, I get asked this question often, what's the best way, Brian, I can advance the message of liberty? And, and... Honestly, there's a lot of different things you can do. Uh, you can be an activist, a podcaster, an entrepreneur, you could be a comedian, or you can get involved in politics. But what I decided to do was become a member of the largest pro-liberty party in the United States, the Libertarian Party. So you all know I started my show with the goals to educate, enlighten, and inform. But what else? Also advancing those principles of liberty. The LP is the literally the largest political party in America that at its core principles embraces the values of individual liberty, property rights, and non-aggression. The, the other two major parties have embraced tribal warfare versus principal debate. So it's time we stop feeding that beast and put our money where our mouths are. And that means putting petty bickering and nonsensical arguments to the side and actually advancing the message of liberty. And hey, I get it. The LP, like every political party, has its flaws. But instead of focusing on those flaws and tossing stones from the cheat seats, it's time we take some personal responsibility like we promote here on The Brian Nichols Show and as libertarians on a regular basis and take some responsibility in making the LP the best it can be. And you can join me in doing that by going to lp.org forward slash Brian Nichols Show and become a member of the Libertarian Party. Again, it's lp.org forward slash Brian Nichols Show. Even if you're a member already of the Libertarian Party, if you're going to go ahead and renew your membership, go to my link, lp.org forward slash Brian Nichols Show. Do your renewal there. It helps the Brian Nichols Show and you help advance the message of liberty by being the member of the largest pro-liberty party in the United States. And now, on to the show. Brian Nichols, you're a great man with some great ideas, a great podcast. Do you see why he's my favorite libertarian people? (laughs) Yes. He's full of common sense and wisdom. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. Today I'm joined by easily one of the best of the best, Matt Kitty. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian. It's good to be with you. By the way, let me take a step back and say I love what you're doing. I love the conversational style and it's a combination of good fun and serious ideas. I love the fact that your show's doing what it does, and and this is how we win the future. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest-growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. There's so many things that we can do to make America freer and the world better and safer and more peaceful. Everybody has the responsibility of trying to help to do that. You know, what you're doing with your podcast is a perfect example of, you know, you're doing this as a labor of love and for the cause, and that is exactly what we have to have. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Welcome back, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and you are in store for, yes, of course, you know this by now, folks, another fun-filled episode here on The Brian Nichols Show. And yes, I am your humble host, Brian Nichols, and today you are joined, we are joined, by Jake Gutterwitz. Now, Jake is a 22-year-old, just recent college grad, running for county legislator in Nassau County down on Long Island in my home state, New York State. Uh, so today I wanted to have Jake on the show to not only discuss uh, what really got a 22-year-old involved in politics so early that he's actually going to run for office, uh, but you know what his reception has been from the community by and large for being young, but also being a third-party candidate as Jake's running as a libertarian. Um, then I want to dig in more into what Jake's platform is, and he discusses the property taxes in Nassau 
Arkansas County, sales taxes, uh, and so forth. And uh, then we, we kind of conclude today's show talking about the younger generation. Uh, if you're a fan of The Brian Nichols Show and you listened to the episode I had a few episodes back with my sister, Off to College, which is a part of new, the new series here in The Brian Nichols Show, and I asked my sister the same exact question. Really, what makes the younger generation tick? What do they see as the younger generation's politics and, and maybe why they believe what they believe currently, and if future's looking good for liberty, or if we're leaning more and more towards a democratic socialist future. So, if you enjoyed today's episode, again, as always, share with family and friends, but without further ado, on to the show! Jake Gutowitz here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, Jake. Well, listen, I'm, I'm getting you on the show today because I was reached out to uh, by friend of the show and a former guest, Kevin Warmhold, um, who who joined me from Nassau County, which is where you're you're hailing from, and uh, you are a busy man at the tender age of 22 years old, uh, running for Nassau County Legislature. So let's kind of first start up before we discuss what your current venture is. Let's walk back and see kind of how you got here, shall we? So with that, Jake, kind of talk uh, who I guess really who you are, um, what makes you tick, and why the heck at the age of 22 are you running for uh, Nassau County Legislator as a libertarian of all things? Sure. Yeah. You know, I realize it's not every day that you get um, someone right out of college that's ready to jump into the world of politics, um, certainly as a third party. Uh, But I was really, um, shall we say, shaped by my college experience. Right. So I attended LIU Post and I spent three years at Post with my friends and colleagues and professors and anyone who would listen complaining about how downhill the university is going in terms of uh, policy for students and faculty and staff, right? They started massively limiting free speech on campus. They started um, ignoring students' complaints about you know, health issues, you know, including mold and things like that. And so finally in my senior year at Post, I joined the student government. And it kind of made me realize that no one else is going to work to make any kind of change if you do not try, right? And so it has to start somewhere, and I, why not start with me? And so as I graduate college and I look around Nassau County, I look, um, I look for opportunities for myself and other young people. I just see what a desolate place in terms of that Nassau County has become, right? It's become this place where people are fleeing. People cannot afford to live here, certainly not young people, either just out of high school or just out of college who are trying to make their lives. And so rather than get rather than, rather than seek full-time employment, I have decided to try my hand at change. So trying your hand at change relative to I'm assuming what is the status quo, right? Right there in Nassau County. And pretty much I mean, I'm I'm from a family where my dad was a county legislator for 15 years. I grew up in in politics, so I understand, you know, the time commitment stuff, but the reality is you're facing against the infrastructures that are in place in these counties. So what's kind of been the feedback you've received not only being so young in in seeking elected office, but also being the the third party, the oddball choice compared to the traditional red or blue teams, the Republicans and Democrats. So, funny enough, we really expected my age to be a problem for a lot of people. And that has just not at all been the case. People all ages and all backgrounds on Long Island have really embraced the fact that a young person is trying to 
run for office and trying to make some sort of change. What they do seem to be wary about is the fact that I am running third party, right? And you have different levels of wariness, right? You have this level of wariness where, okay, you're running for this political organization that I probably have never heard of. Um, and if I've heard of you, I've heard stereotypes about you, and therefore I, I am nervous about you. You have this level where people are wary because um, they're used to voting for the same people that they're voting for, and change makes people nervous. And that's really um, the biggest issue that we have to overcome, right? Mm -hmm. Change makes people nervous. People, no matter how bad things are getting – realize that things could potentially be worse and are wary to take that next step. But the unfortunate reality on Long Island is that things are getting so bad that people are ready for change. So, so things are getting so bad. So kind of walk through that with the audience. Obviously, this is a, a national show. Um, heck, sure, I, I'll, sure. I'll even say international because I got some guests out there that, that like seven downloads in Sweden, I see you and hey, what's up? Um, but Yes, this is obviously going to be more uh, localized for your specific issues in Nassau County. So kind of walk through what are the main issues right now that Nassau County is facing? Um, and maybe while you're specifying that, what which of those issues do you think isn't necessarily so common for Nassau County, but maybe is being seen across the United States as well? Sure. So the biggest issue in, in Nassau County is our rise in property taxes. And I don't know that... Um, in a lot of other places in the country, this is becoming a problem. I know in California, it's becoming a massive problem. Um, a lot of places on the West Coast. But in Nassau County, it has just become out of control. So from our research, we have we can see that the average property tax bill per year for an American homeowner across the country is about $3,000 per year. The average property tax bill for a New Yorker is $6,000 per year. The average... For a Long Islander, someone in Nassau County, is $11,000 per year. Wow. That's $11,000 <laughs> per year in taxes. Yeah, and that's People insane. That's not their homes anymore. I was going to say, and that's the best part, right? Like, property taxes are one of the most insane taxes, in my opinion, just because property taxes are a tax on something you already own. Like, that's, that, that's just, that'd be like going to the store and, and buying, you know, your new laptop, and every year... The, the government comes and knocks on your door and says, hey, can you give us the property tax for your laptop, please? It's it's actually going to be like, you know, 8% of whatever it costs when you first bought it. That's uh, that's just insane. Sure. The, oh, 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 and by the way, you can only install these programs on your laptop. Ex exactly, yeah. And if you want to install different ones, you have to call us first and get permission. Exactly. And you know something? You're going to pay a lot of money for the permit, but we might not give it to you. <laughs> exactly. So you, so you mentioned property taxes, obviously, and $11,000. Now, I'm from New York State, right? And and I experienced the high property taxes up in rural northern New York. So $11,000, though, in you know what I'd say is kind of like the suburbs of, of New York City out there in Nassau County, that's just outrageous. And I'm sure you know your average listener hearing that, their, their jaws drop because that's a number that is so just out of left field. Um, you know, especially when you compare it to the national average of three thousand. So, what is it that that's gotten Nassau County at that point that you guys are over triple what the national average is? So that's what we're trying to look at, right? So the first thing we did is sit down and try to figure out what the hell we're spending our money on. And about sixty percent of our property taxes go towards our school districts, which fine. You know, we want good schools. We're going to pay for good schools. Fine, I get it. Do you know that despite 60% of those taxes going towards our school 
school districts being the best funded schools in the nation. Our schools are ranked 24th in the nation. <laughs> and you'd think, you know, if, if 60% is just like what $6,000 going right towards schools, I don't think people would care too much. But then you look at, you just said 24th in rankings, that's, then you're like, okay, well, where's my bang for my buck going? Well, exactly. Where the hell is all my money going? And of course, that turns into teacher salaries. I mean, the average teacher in my school district makes six figures, which is unheard of across the country. Oh, it's an, not only unheard of, it's unheard of in New York State in some places. I mean, I have very close family friends and uh, personal friends who are, are you know, teachers in northern New York and southern, the southern tier of New York. And I know for a fact that they're they're not making, you know, even maybe half of what that, that six-figure salary would be. So there's definitely seems to be a much larger discrepancy for, you know, down in, in Long Island. I'm sure, of course, a lot of it's due to demand, right? You're in a very populated area, and it's, in this case, a very you know well, wealthy area relative to a lot of other areas in New York State. So I'm sure just, you know, by that very nature, there's an increase in demand for teachers and high-quality teachers, and with that comes that, you know, higher salary. Oh, sure. And, you know, and we definitely get higher quality teachers um, with the salary, right? But the reality is on Long Island. Now, I always believe that you need to pay someone enough money to work where where you are asking them to work, right? Pay them enough money to live where you are working. And to be middle class on Long Island, to live a middle class life, well, to live a middle class life across the nation. Let's start with that. To live a middle class life across the nation. You have to make, for your family's income, about $35,000 a year. Do you know what that is in Nassau County? That's $93,000 per year. <laughs> That's how high the cost of living is here. And so paying a teacher $120,000, well, you know something? You want good teachers. You want them to be able to afford to live here. And <clears throat> so you have to pay them good money. Now, what's the bigger problem? The bigger problem is that our teachers' hands are tied, right? Our teachers' mm-hmm. hands are tied by Governor Cuomo and his Common Core education. Right. Yeah. So – And so – Go ahead. Sorry. Continue. What I've been advocating for. No, no. What I've been advocating for um, as part of my campaign, and it's a long-term goal, and you know, it's going to take a lot to get there, is eventually taking more autonomy for Nassau and Suffolk counties from Albany, right? So the first major thing that we would like to do is to take autonomy over our own education from Albany. I mean, let's be real. Any test that is given on Long Island and I've known this because I've, I've taken these tests. All my friends have taken these tests. Everyone I know has taken these tests have a much higher standard than the New York State regents and the New York's, all the New York mm-hmm. State official testing. So our education would be better anyway. If our teachers could make their own curriculums, we would have the number one schools in the nation. And you know something? They'd be worth paying for. Right. So – that definitely, I mean, that resonates with me um, for sure. Is, is kind of going a more federal federalist approach, right? Instead of having the, in this case, it's the the entire state uh, doing the the education um, budgets and, and mandating what's going to be taught. Have the localities, right? So I, I completely am on board with that. But let's go back to um, some of the problems that you were discussing with Nassau County, and I, you know, obviously, I think property right. taxes, and, and I say just taxes in general, is a huge issue. What would you say is another issue sure. that is is also being faced in Nassau County currently? Sure. So we can keep with the same theme, sales taxes. Okay. Sales taxes are killing Nassau County. And I don't know what sales tax, like you said, you're in Philadelphia now. Sales tax yep. altogether in Nassau County is 8.65% or 8.56. Something yeah, like we're, we're right there around there with you. And businesses are closing. Businesses can't afford to be here now. Why can't businesses afford to be here? Because... Our federal government is giving tax breaks to big corporations. 
So the Home Depot isn't really paying 8% in sales tax, but the hardware store down the street is. And so Mm. what my plan is, is to give tax relief to small businesses. If you have fewer than 50 employees, you will pay a massively reduced rate in sales tax. And what will that do? That will encourage businesses to open up in Nassau County again. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been here, but you can drive down any main road, look in all the shopping centers, and there's not a single full shopping center there. All the shopping centers have places for rent. And the sales tax is part of that, and of course, even a bigger part of that are our property taxes, right? So why can't a business afford to be on in Nassau County? Because their rent is too high. Well, why is their rent is too high? Why is their rent too high? Their rent is too high because the landlords are paying massive property taxes, and so they have to pass that on in order to make money. So when you walk into the grocery store and your gallon of milk is super expensive, that's because the grocery store's property taxes are too high. <laughs> so property taxes are the root of all evil on Long Island. So so you say that property taxes are the root of all evil. So, I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, we're going to take autonomy from you know the state. We're going to focus more entirely on doing our own education here you know, in, in your plan. Um, but it looks like that was 60% of the... The, the budget for, or I'm sorry, of, of the, the cost rather for the $11,000 in property taxes. Where is that other $5,000 coming from? That's, you know, even still $2,000 more than the national average in, in property taxes. Sure. Well, it's keeping the massive government bureaucracy afloat. And, and that, that's the sad truth is that our government has gotten too bloated, right? There's too much money being paid towards unnecessary salaries and unnecessary wasteful programs and and in waste in many ways like when for example the town right now i'm not running for a town election but the town comes and they rip up an old road and they repave it and then not three weeks later the gas company comes and rips it up and fixes pipes under it so it's inefficiency in our government bureaucracies and that's what i'm running to solve right i'm running to make our government mm-hmm. bureaucracies more efficient and to take some of their power away. This is completely out of left field, and we're kind of doing a 180. But I'm just curious because you're you're 22, um, you just graduated from college, and yet you're you're running as a libertarian. And and just you know from our, our brief time having a conversation so far, you, you got a good head in your shoulder. So I guess I'm really curious, Jake, is to kind of see how did you get to where you are? Like, what was it that kind of was the spark that got you to say, you know what, I'm besides college and, you know, experiencing what it was like there to, to say, I'm going to go down this path of libertarianism. I'm going to you know start to get more involved in, in the free market approach to things and actually run for office as a libertarian. What kind of started that progression? Well, I'll tell you in the 2004 election, right? I was in the second grade and my second grade class held a mock election. Man, you made me just feel so old there, by the way, just, just wanted to point that out there. <laughs> We held this mock election, and our assignment was to go home on the internet and look up all the candidates running, because at this point, there were no Democratic nominations yet, and so we were supposed to look up everyone running, and we were supposed to write a little paragraph about which candidate that we chose. And after all my research, second grade Jake chose Ron Paul. And so that is where it kind of started, right? Because even at that young age, I kind of resonated with this message of defending our personal liberties and i've kind of taken that through me through with me for most of my life um and like i said it kind of came to a head when i was in college and you know 
there's a lot of people out there that call Trump a fascist. But let me tell you that you do not know the definition of fascism until you attend Long Island University. <laughs> well, Long Island University. Just to say, can you elaborate on that? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, you laugh, right? But every day it gets worse and worse there. And that's what we had to fight against on our student government. So what really prompted me to run for student government and join the student government, um, at the end of my oh, oh, junior year or so, there were a lot of issues going on. There was a lot of mold in the dorms. There was a lot of suppression of students speaking out. And so there was one student who is anonymous to this day who started writing poems about the university and hanging them all over campus for everyone to read. And this newspaper picked it up, and a lot of people were talking about it. Then, at the start of my senior year, uh, the beginning of that fall, these pamphlets started being released on campus. Again, anonymously, no one seems to know who it is, and they called themselves common sense in the vein of Thomas Paine's common sense as to why we needed to break away from the king of England, right? And they kind of echoed similar ideas that our president is corrupt, our president is suppressing free speech, our president is destroying this university, and we're not even allowed to talk about it. And so that's what kind of prompted me. I've, I've never been politically active before, right, other than going to the polls and voting. I've never been politically active. And that's what prompted me to become politically active was because I really resonated with that message that we need to stop tyrants at every level. It does not matter if they are at the federal level, the state level, the local level, or even at college level because everyone's liberties matter. So what was um, it? I say what, so what was it about the idea of liberties, right? The idea of, of freedom, be it you know the individual or or what have you, that was so you know so engaging for you and, and so inspiring to get you to wanna to you know start getting involved in politics and getting more involved in a movement like the liberty movement here that is the Libertarian Party. So you know you look at Democrats, you look at Republicans, and both those political parties whether they like to admit it or not, are parties that do not listen to everyone's voices. There are parties that suppress opinions that they do not like. There are parties that that actively work against people who are just trying to speak out and 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 bring truth into a subject. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've chosen to run as a libertarian. Now and let me tell you, running as a member of a political party was a compromise for me. Strictly speaking, I don't really believe in political parties. I really think political parties are the root of all evil when it comes to American elections. Um, <laughs> but I got in touch with my local Libertarian Party, these Nassau County guys, and they were really great. Um, they share the same values I have. They are interested in, in protecting people's liberties and becoming politically active to do so. And so I joined their party, and I started to run for election. So you, you're running for, for county legislator in Nassau County, right? And obviously that that's going to be kind of a, a means for you to test to see kind of how your message resonates with not only the, the voters of your area, but also just with the, the general electorate in general. Like not, not necessarily people in Nassau County, but by and large, just people listening to the libertarian message and to kind of use your uh, race as kind of uh, you know a test to see how Liberty's going to do this year, right? So, how are the prospects looking for you as uh, we're we're getting closer and closer to Election Day? Sure. So, getting closer to the election, you know, everyone we talk to, and I mean everyone we talk to, has gotten on board with my ideas, right? My ideas are not radical. 
my idea is that people should be allowed to afford their own homes. People should not have to pay massive amounts of taxes just to live. And everyone has gotten on board with that. Our biggest, biggest um, obstacle is trying to get that message out to more people, right? Because the media ignores us. The media does not care what we have to say, unless you are a Democrat or Republican. And at that, someone who is 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 um, spending a lot of money, you do not get your message heard. So do you find that um, the people that are, are traditional Republicans or Democrats, right, have they been receptive to, to hearing a third voice or are they pretty much set in their ways at this point based on your experience, obviously knocking on doors and, and shaking a lot of hands and I'm sure kissing a lot of babies? Um, you know, are, are they open themselves to hearing another voice um, and, and do you hear anybody who's saying that you maybe are, are convincing them to look at an alternative compared to the traditional uh, Republican or Democratic choices they've been faced with? Sure. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There is not a single person on my team who would identify as libertarian. Anyone who is helping out with my campaign, volunteering time for my campaign, doing any kind of work for my campaign is not a registered libertarian, um, <clears throat> has never – a lot of them have never been exposed to libertarian ideas before, and yet they've all managed to come around and support me. And that's what we're finding with other people in Nassau County, and unfortunately, I think it's more out of desperation – than anything else, right? These people who are starting to lose their homes, who realize that there needs to be a change quick, otherwise they're not going to be able to spend the rest of their lives here. Um, but they are receptive to change. They are receptive to this third voice in a way that I do not think um, the liberty movement has seen until the last few years. Um, in the 2018 election, I'm so sure you're familiar with Larry Sharp. <clears throat> he did really great. And he did so great that do you know we're recognized as a party this year and I am on the ballot automatically? Because of Larry. Yeah, no, Larry, Larry's a good friend of the show. Um, and actually, the last time Larry's in the show, um, we talked about just that. So basically, Larry, for people um, playing along in the home game, Larry ran for, for governor as New York's uh, – I'm sorry, ran for governor in New York State as a libertarian. And because he did so well um, – Basically, the Libertarian Party was given the ability to now have ballot access, which otherwise they would not have had um, because of his ability to garner so much attention and gain so many votes while he ran for New York State governor. So um, you know, the work that Larry did to kind of set the, the groundwork for the Libertarian Party in, in large for New York State, but also for individual candidacies, much like yours, Jake, it, it cannot be understated how valuable and instrumental Larry was into getting that actually going forward. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if it wasn't for Larry Sharp really getting the movement out there the way he did, I would not be able to run for election this year. It just wouldn't be able to happen. Um, but what's really great is that what Larry Sharp proved is that people in New York are starting to lean towards this liberty movement. They're starting to accept these ideas and starting to embrace these ideas, which is really incredible. You know, it, it's incredible that once you explain to someone these ideas about liberty, these ideas is about defending your own rights. They tend to accept it. And the only reason that they haven't before is that they haven't been educated about it. And so that's mm -hmm. our goal is to educate these people in Nassau County, educate our voters, and to just show them that there is another way. So right now, obviously, you being 22 years old, I think it, it's safe to say you just graduating college, you, you have a pretty good ear in terms of what the, the buzz is in the your generation, the younger generation, and in terms of looking at politics and just the, the world as it is right now, 
Where do you kind of see your generation politically? Are they leaning more towards this free market, liberty-oriented uh, mindset? Or are they starting to lean more and more towards the, the collectivist, socialist mindset, be that of the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or the Bernie Sanders of the world? Where do you think your generation right now is currently leaning? And are the prospects good for the future? So, you know... I've talked a lot about this with my team, right? And we've talked about millennials. Now, I'm I'm not even a millennial. I'm a Gen Zer at this point. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> I, I, hold on, I'm going. I'm actually going to head out right now and grab my walker. I'll be right back. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Jake. <laughs> um, and so we had this conversation, and I just had it. Um, I was on pace in pace and freedom uh, the other night. Um, and that should be coming out soon. And we tied this conversation. I said, you know something, the the baby boomers who are spend most of their lives criticizing this millennial generation have gotten one thing very wrong, and that's that this millennial generation is lazy, right? And you see that all the time. You see that you see that that in sitcoms. You see that in the newspapers. You see the magazines talking about how lazy millennials are, and that's why they're tending toward socialism because they're lazy and they want the government to take care of them. But what I see is something deeper than that, right? I see that I see this generation of people whose parents and grandparents squandered an incredible economy, the best economy in the history of the world, and the best the, the, the best times for families and and for young people in the history of the world squandered it and created this world where they can't afford to live. And out of desperation and out of fear for the future, they're turning to socialism. And that's how it always is, right? It's never, oh, I'm a socialist because I'm lazy. It's a socialist because I am legitimately afraid for my future. Um, the difference between me and millennials, and I think the difference between Gen Zers and millennials, is that I don't see that we have passed the point of no return. I think there is hope for change. And so instead of giving up and turning to socialism and letting the government sort it out, I think that we can make real change. I do not think that we have passed the point of no return. I think we can turn the world around to make it a better place. So right now we're recording this for, for posterity's sake, right? Uh, September of 2019. Um, and it, it seems like it's so far away, but in reality, it's not that the, the, the 2020 election is just around the corner. It's just, you know, what, 14 months or so away from, from when sure. we're recording today. So obviously, you know, this, this this entire election is getting more and more into the minds of, of the average American voter. And and people are kind of confused as where to go. So if if you were to talk to somebody on the street and they, they were to say, Jake, I don't know who to vote for. Can you give me the, you know, the, the spark notes of what's going on and your, your opinion of who we should look to, to so I, the person I should cast my vote for in 2020? Sure. Wow. Okay. The person you should cast your vote for in 2020. Well, my short answer to that is always Austin Peterson. <laughs> I'm sure Austin will love to hear that. Shout out for Austin. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, um, my, my, my short answer is always Austin Peterson, right? A young libertarian who is trying to trying his best to rally other young libertarians um, and educate people on the freedom movement. I think he's great. Um, I think he should have had the nomination in 2016 um, for the libertarians. Um, unfortunately, I don't think he's even going to get it now. I don't even know if he's in the running at this point. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't believe Austin's going to run. Um, 
Who knows? I, I've true. Who knows? Um, unfortunately, from Democrats and Republicans, you know, I don't think there's much hope, right? You have obviously the Republicans who Donald Trump. No one is going to unseat him as much as they are talking about people running for the nomination. No one is going to unseat him. Um, and you know, I, I really had some hope when Donald Trump was elected, right? I didn't vote for Donald Trump, but there was one thing he said that I really believed because I believed he was going to get things done at that point. And I really believe that he was going to get this done. He talked about national concealed carry. And I really believed that he was going to get that done. And instead, he has done nothing but attack our gun rights and take away our gun rights and support taking away our gun rights. Um, so, you know, it, we, we really don't have a candidate on the Republican side, which I think is where most libertarians would end up finding themselves should they not want to vote for the libertarian candidate. And on the left, well, you just have a mess, right? You, you do not have – um, you do not have real leadership coming from the left. Unfortunately, you have a lot of petty squabbling coming out of the left. And why is that? Well, I think Democrats realize that they're not going to beat Trump in 2020. And so they're just letting their people do whatever they want to do to feel out who's going to be the best person to back in 2024. Um, so I, I, I do not see much hope coming from democrats or republicans as far as libertarians go you know i'm not a huge gary johnson fan i'd like to be i really would i'm just not um i was disappointed that they put him up in 2016 i did not vote for him i in fact wrote in austin peterson in 2016 you know i, I tell people because people say to me all the time well you know it's not worth voting third party it's not worth voting third party your vote is just wasted and I say to them, well, if you're voting for someone who you don't really believe in, isn't that a wasted vote? And no one seems to have a comeback answer for that, right? And they all tend to agree with that as far as I've, I've um, experienced. And so even if that candidate is not on the ballot, look up who you think the best person is. And even if you are going to be the only person voting for that candidate the only person voting for that candidate, well, you still haven't wasted your vote because you voted for someone you believed in. And that's political action. And if more people did that, you would see a complete change in in the political field. Well, speaking of uh, people voting for, for someone who's going to be really, you know, doing what they say they're going to do and really inspiring some, some real change, Jake Gutowitz, thank you so much again for joining the Brian Nichols Show. Can you give me a heads up where people can find you on social media? Uh, and of course, we'll be sure to include all this in the show notes. So uh, social media, Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff. Sure. So Twitter, you can find me at Jake for Nassau. That's Jake, the number four Nassau. Um, my website is jakefornassau.org. Again, Jake, the number four Nassau. Um, I'm posting more regularly on Twitter now. Um, I've had some good conversations with some people, which is really nice to see. Um, on my website, um, starting tomorrow, we are starting a a fundraising um, push for yard signs. You would not believe the amount of money that you have to spend on yard signs in a campaign. <laughs> oh, no, I, I would believe. My, as, as someone who probably watched, what, four elections, my dad running, I I trust me, I know. <laughs> you know and going into it, that was the only, going into this election, that was the only thing I didn't expect. Just the sheer financial cost of running a campaign mm -hmm. and how much better at it my Republican incumbent is. <laughs> well, there's old money there, His I'm sure. His war chest is massive. Oh, my, yeah. war chest, my war chest at this point is $800. 
Hey, well, eight hundred dollars is something in uh, twenty in twenty nineteen. I'm sure you can go ahead and get some nice Facebook ads, which is, I mean, that's probably where a lot of voters are too. Well, exactly. But what we really <laughs> like is for these yard signs, right? So we're starting to push a two thousand dollar fund for yard signs. We were going to start today, but it's Constitution Day, and that just seemed disrespectful. It's basically one of the only federal holidays worth worth acknowledging. Anyway. <laughs> well, this this is actually going to be airing on this uh, this Friday, so um. Which which is gonna be good for you because uh, at that point your your fundraiser will be live. So is there a place people can go ahead to donate to your campaign if they wanted to help? Yes. Yeah, so if you go onto my website, uh, there is a donations page. You should see it in the little navigation bar. Um, click there. We take PayPal, credit card, Apple Pay, Venmo. You can mail us a check if you're really feeling it. Um, we basically take any sort of payment. So if you are willing to make a contribution and we are in desperate need of contributions, please do. All right, folks. Well, you, there's your call to action. Go ahead and check out uh, Jake's website. Go ahead and give him a donation for his campaign. Again, Libertarian running in Nassau County for county legislator. Jake Gutowitz, thank you so much for joining the Brian Nichols Show. And folks, if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share with family and friends, especially if you're from the Long Island area, and particularly in Nassau County, share with your family and friends. Get the message out there of Jake's campaign, and of course, to help raise awareness and uh, spread his message far and wide across Nassau County. Um, but as for me, if you enjoyed today's episode, follow me over on Facebook and on Twitter, at B. Nichols Liberty. Oh, side story, I got suspended on on stupid Facebook. Anyways, they don't like the gun rights uh, memes that I was posting, so I got a week suspension so that's fun but that folks that hopefully by saturday the um the facebook page will be back up but still go follow me uh, on facebook at b nichols liberty as well but also our one-time paypal donation link is in the show notes um or if you want to do the patreon not only for myself or over at the big channel at we are libertarians go to the web uh, again the show notes click the patreon link um, for both the Brian Nichols Show and We Are Libertarians. Um, and as always, please, folks, if you could go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star review, that's how we keep on showing up in the algorithms for uh, recommendations and podcast feeds. And hey, We Are Libertarians Network got onto the, the top news feed for, I think it was news and politics and the poli- uh, the podcasting. That That's awesome. That's because you guys are going out of your way to rate shows like We Are Libertarians, The Brian Nichols Show, The Boss Hog of Liberty. Giving that five-star review, that's, again, how we get those kind of opportunities. So uh, if you could do that, folks, that would be great. But hey, signing off on The Brian Nichols Show for County Legislator Candidate Jake Gutowitz. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.